0: Following out to next episode features Chris Rossi, a principal in SCNH Group's technology advisory team, discussing the latest hurdles manufacturers are facing and how revisiting their technology roadmap could alleviate some of these challenges. Talk to me about what some of the conversations you've been having with our clients and prospects.
1: I think the main thing I'm, we're seeing is that the sort of a lot of manufacturers have had systems in place for a long time they tend to be pretty old and a lot of the systems are now end of life. So the, the core sort of business systems have, you know, been, uh, you know, they're st- the The people that make them stop supporting them or, or, or are saying they're going to stop supporting them in the not too distant future, the next couple of years. And, uh, that's true of sort of a, a large number of, Uh, particularly ERP systems out there, uh, are in that state. So over the next three, four, five years, a lot of the manufacturers aren't really going to have a choice. They're going to have to get new systems in place because the ones that they have aren't going to be supported anymore. They're not going to get security patches, all that kind of stuff. The other problem is that the, uh, the level of people that are supporting these systems keeps getting worse and worse. So there's sort of two levels of support. You've got the people that have been doing it for a lot of years, and they're retiring. And then on the flip side, you've got kids coming in college, out of college. They don't know what they're doing with these systems. They're sort of taking the job, but they really don't know the depths of them. They don't know how to program. They don't know how to get into them. So, you know, they're just sort of doing a surface coat. Um, and then there's these people in the middle, which are co- what I call sort of the C players. They can't get a job at a, you know, leading edge software company. So they, they're they in these legacy solutions and they're they they may they're very weak, it, whether they're programmers or whatever it is, they're just not very good. And so there's you're sort of dealing with a lot of floundering, um, lack of competence when you try to work with them. So the net of all that is that we're starting, I think we're seeing more and more manufacturers and uh, distributors saying that they've got a shift um, you know it's not all at once but certainly starting to see that accelerate
0: so given the environment we're operating in right now what are some of the challenges the industry has been facing I feel like you've hit on some of the kind of longer term just um, challenges essentially but in this current kind of pandemic environment, um, remote environment, what are some of those challenges they're facing, and kind of also a lot of the conversations we've been having too are these manufacturers that are taking these challenges and have found they're more so opportunities. So almost a mix of what are those challenges, and then maybe some of those scenarios in which you've heard some successes that have come out of these challenges. You know whether they were ready for that or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it varies. Um, I mean, the, the, the difference in manufacturing is you can't only certain pieces of the so maybe sort of back office uh, can work from home. In uh, a lot of the manufacturers, A, you can't produce stuff and do it remotely. So the physical operations are there. Some manufacturers have gone to different shifts and sort of broken up the force to reduce the bodies that are actually on the floor at any given time. Um, But, you know, that's awkward Uh, and they're not really geared for it. So they don't have the sort of processes and systems in place to support that well. So you get a lot of, you know, handoff problems. Uh, One of the big issues we have seen, I've seen is actually childcare. Uh, is a big issue. It's not just, that's not just manufacturing, but it becomes a lot when, when you have to be on site or you need to be on site more often, if you don't have childcare and you, you are know, geared around two income earners um, and you can't get childcare to save your life, you know, because it's so tight uh, and there's so many issues with COVID, that's a huge problem. Um, and it, I'm not sure what the answer is. It it sort of comes and goes in terms of where I've seen it, but it's definitely a big underlying problem, both for manufacturers and for the economy as a whole. When we get to the fall, it's really unclear how that's going to work out because if the kids can't go back to school, then that that's a big problem. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, a lot of these, when you look at it, are uh, they're sort of they may end up being fundamental changes in the way we work. Um, it's really hard to say right now though, how that plays out. Uh, and in most of these manufacturers, the back office usually has some way to work remotely. It may not be great, um, but there is a way to do it. Uh, but there's always certain aspects when you're a manufacturer that you can't get away from. Um, and you know, so that requires a fair amount of on, on premise, uh, Folks that that sort of seem to continue on. Uh, there's not, just not, a, not a way around it.
0: What kind of customer and consumer demands are feeding into some of the changes that you feel like manufacturers have to make right now, but also just looking ahead to 2020 and beyond?
1: Well, I mean, you know, you know, we I, mean, I have several clients in the ingredients or flavor industry, so they're supporting the food industry. Um, And so there's been pretty substantial shift in the food industry, you know, obviously a big decline in restaurants, and then, you know, an increase at home. So that's actually meaning retooling, regearing to support that. Uh, Certain lines of products that are supporting the, you know, grocery consumer side of the house, those obviously are doing very well, but people don't, you know, still struggling to have capacity to support that. Uh, and then the other side, though, ones that were supporting more restaurant or uh, that restaurant cafeteria, those kinds of businesses continue to be way, way below, you know, prior numbers. And so you but but the machinery to, to support one doesn't necessarily support the other. Um, so that's a that's an ongoing problem. I, you know, I'm less familiar in some of the other industries, uh, as to how you know the, the the specific situations are affecting them, but we're seeing a lot of ripples and changes. And um, I, I don't see that. I think it's gonna be a while before that stabilizes. I, I think we're gonna be, because part of the challenge is no one really knows when say had a vaccine in place. So are you gonna make many million dollar investments for something that could shift back in 18 months? Uh, manufacturers make long-term you know, investments, big, big dollars to change the machinery. But we're in a situation where it's, well, in two years, will we sort of shift well back into where we were? Uh, Hard to say. So I think it's a a big question mark right now. And I would say most of the manufacturers I've talked to are manufacturers by nature tend to be relatively conservative. So, you know, they're not rushing to go put in new equipment. They'd rather max out where they are. And then sort of try to muddle through until this thing sort of strain, you know, stabilizes. Because the other problem, of course, with the situation is it could get way—it's you know—it's getting worse in a lot of states. And as we move into the winter, it could get way worse. Or and if it doesn't get worse from a case perspective, it could get a lot worse from a um, you know restrictions perspective. So how that's going to play out, I'm not sure anyone really knows right now.
0: Right. So all of this kind of goes, you know, we've talked remote, we've talked ERP, we've talked uh, long term planning and investments. You know, the reason we started this conversation in the first place was originally just talking about ERP, but there's a bigger player in the mix here of before you can talk about ERP. ERP is almost the cart before the horse of this need for manufacturers to be in the cloud more You know, now more than ever. So you know, why do manufacturers need to be in the cloud and what does that look like from a transformation standpoint, just knowing how they typically operate, knowing how they typically make investments, et cetera? Um, what are some takeaways there for them to kind of consider?
1: Well, when you talk about moving to the cloud, um, really uh, what ERP is a subset of that. Um, so when we say new ERP, we're you know, when we talk about it, we're talking about true cloud-based ERP. So that's a major system that is now no longer on-prem. Uh, but in order to do a, clou- a shift to the cloud, what you're really saying is that my entire uh, infrastructure is cloud-based. Now, that could be where I have everything that I do, I buy as a service. Or what we're still in the middle of is more a little more hybrid where mo- many things can be by as a service or SaaS, uh, but some things may still require that you have your own server setup. Now, in a cloud environment, I'm I'm going to the cloud, like an AWS or Azure, and I'm going to rent my servers and put my software on those servers uh, to the extent that I still have to have that. But where we're trying to take clients, and I think you know, where a lot of clients are moving to this faster and faster, is where There is no server that the company owns. Um, There's, you know, they don't even have an environment in AWS or Azure, they're buying services. So they're, uh, what today is Active Directory, you know, that determines sort of how you authenticate into systems. That's becomes Azure AD or AD Connect, uh, which is a cloud-based identity management. Uh, the I mean it's similar to like an octa. You could have, um, uh, you, well, you you could also then have Azure file shares. That's pure cloud file shares that replaces on-prem file shares. This sounds very basic, but it's actually amazingly problematic if you don't solve for those problems uh, fairly early in a cloud migration because. After that, once you've established sort of how I allow people into my, to my systems, uh, and then also sort of solve things basic like file shares, well then the rest of it gets a lot easier. So for example, a lot of people are Office 365 for email already. Well, that's a SaaS solution. Uh, So now if I'm doing file shares as a SaaS solution, I'm doing identity management as a SaaS solution, I'm doing email as a SaaS solution, well, now it's just what my business applications are. So, as you know, if I start, you know, doing SaaS business solutions, whether that's ERP or or CRM, you know, Salesforce is a SaaS, you know, CRM solution, as is Microsoft uh, CRM. Uh, then, after you get to a point where, well, everything's just a service, um, and so whether I'm at the office or I'm at home or I'm at the library or I'm at Starbucks. It's, Absolutely irrelevant because everything is in the cloud. So I'm authenticating to you as a person based on, you know, your machine and, and you, and I don't care where you are. Uh, that's actually a really, really big shift, and that's where you know you have to actually design the the whole setup uh, differently than it's been designed over the last 30 years, really, well, 30, 35 years. So. Uh, that's what we're seeing on the, on the cloud. Uh, Well, well, the, the pieces of that, what, what really ends up happening is people are in a sort of a hybrid state where we, we move some uh, applications to cloud. We then, you know, they may have some legacy applications that we have to put on a cloud, you know, infrastructure platform like Azure, AWS. And then over time, they either get rid of those applications with SaaS services, or they will rewrite them using the cloud tools, so that they're uh, really um, uh, they're they're just you know fairly modern and uh, have, and able to take care of, take advantage of the cloud offering. They're they're not SaaS at that point, but they're but they're still they're about as close to SaaS as you can get without it being SaaS. So that, that's what we're seeing on that, and it's. The, the, big, the big challenge is getting folks to look at it sort of holistically. Uh, when you do it in fragments, you end up in sort of a, a very uh, problematic state. Uh, and you know, they said identity management of file shares are sort of two of the anchors that, if you don't fix that early or make those changes fairly soon, they it's very uh, becomes very problematic over time uh, because people are trying to access file shares. To do day-to-day work, uh, but if they're inside a network uh, in in sort of the legacy state, uh, you'd be amazed how difficult that can be over time when you're dealing with a cloud environment. So I've got a cloud application that's trying to hit a local file sitting on my file share. They they just can't they can't making those connections get incredibly difficult over time. Uh, so if you can solve for that early, well then you've got yourself in a state that says that well now I can easily connect my files to my applications and i can uh, work in a space that's sort of wherever you are that's fine
0: kind of just final like takeaway thoughts of you know if someone was sitting in front of you not knowing where to begin or not kind of in a position that you know they're still battling that if it isn't broken, don't fix it, kind of mentality. Um words of wisdom kind of you would just provide as a take it back to your teams, start having the conversation. And, you know, also maybe some considerations of how we could support those conversations as well to help people kind of wrap their heads around what investments are worthy worthwhile ones, knowing the level of uncertainty and unknown we're kind of operating in. Um, where could they start again?
1: Uh, I mean, to be honest, I think the place where, you know, most folks should start with is getting some help to get a plan um, that's, you know, specific to their particular setup and situation. And then focusing on understanding, well, what, why is the plan the way it is? And what's the logic behind that? Uh, that to me is the starting point. Uh, the mistake is just to sort of say, okay, well, what little incremental thing could I do that's a stepping stone towards this, you know, grand, grander direction? Well, that's all fine. If you don't know what the grander direction is, then you don't know what you're stepping into or which direction you're really going. So you really need a plan. It doesn't have to be a you know a, a, a dissertation document, but it has to be some plan that says, Okay, here's what you currently have today. Here's the future state that we're trying to get you to that that is sort of this where you've got to get you know, cloud-based and all that good stuff. And and here's the stepping stones to get there. Then you can go and take okay, I'm going to do, you know, this incremental, this incremental, this incremental, but you're going down a path. Without that, I you know, what we what we see a lot of is people get into this uh, sort of twisted uh, hybrid state that we then have to help them unravel, which is actually a whole lot harder than if they had just done done, the the logical steps in a a rational sequence to get them down a path. So that's the the thing that we try to get folks to do first is have a plan. I think they also need to understand that the the vast majority of um, folks that have been supporting sort of infrastructure and networks over the last 30 years, are working within a what we call the local area network construct, and they may or may not really grasp the the full cloud construct and what you would need to do in the cloud. A that it's really different. So that's that's a big problem. It's not saying anything negative about those folks. It's just when you've worked in the same you know box for 30 years, you're, you're really it, it could be a real struggle to understand that this other box is actually very different. It's not a box, it's a pyramid, whatever. But it's as a result, it has some fundamental differences and uh, you have to sort of throw everything out and, and rethink from scratch to do it well. So that's that's sort of where I think we, you know, you know, my recommendation is you've got to get some kind of current plan. You've got to get a plan that understand, you know, based on a true understanding of sort of this new environment And then you, so then whether you do it slowly or quickly is is situational, but at least you know where you're heading in your context.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much. For more information, please visit schgroup.com.